Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today. It's always a privilege, a blessing, and it's always a joyful opportunity to be with you each day as we open up God's Word and study a little bit more, dig a little bit deeper, and learn a little bit more. And that's so pivotal, so vital to our spiritual lives because the scriptures tell us that faith does not just happen to us. It's not something that's bestowed upon us whether we want it or not, but faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So it is really crucial that we get into God's word on a regular and consistent ongoing basis so that our faith can develop, grow stronger, and stay strong. There's no, there's no wonder when the Apostle Paul, or that the Apostle Paul, told Timothy to be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or correctly handling the word of truth, which is the word of God. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15. We want to help you be stronger in your faith. We want to help you get to heaven. We want to help you learn God's word more deeply, more thoroughly. You know people in your life who need to have this changed focus. They need to start thinking about their souls, their relationship with God, about eternity, because it's coming. Encourage them to listen to search the scriptures. Now, I know that not everybody can listen at the prescribed times that this airs over various radio stations in the area, and I understand that. I know a lot of people who are regular listeners, they listen every single day virtually. And others listen very frequently, but they not quite every day. And others listen, well, they listen pretty regularly, but they have to fit it in around their work schedules and you know, running errands and doing chores and all of that. And so they listen a little less. And I know that there are continually new listeners. We're thankful for every single one of you. But let me tell you how you can be sure that you get the program every single day, Monday through Friday. And then you can listen at your free time. Go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Scroll down the home page to our podcast button, click on that, and sign up for our podcasting. It'll take you about one minute, and it is free, and it will always be free. Now, this is not an introduction offer free for a certain period of time. It will always be free. And when you sign up for our podcasting, you'll receive automatically to your smart device, whichever one you choose, your smartphone, computer, laptop, tablet, pad, whatever it might be, you'll automatically receive. Search the scriptures Monday through Friday. It'll be there on, as a podcast. You can download it anytime you have the opportunity and listen to it. But you'll also receive a lot more. There's a great short, about a 13-minute daily Bible study, seven days a week, called Today's Bible Class, that we also podcast. It'll be there on your smart device. You'll receive all of our sermons and a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night Bible class. All of that will be there. Now also, while you're on the website, you can download and listen to hundreds of sermons And a lot of those are now posted in video format as well as audio format. And you can download and read through and study through hundreds of scripturally and spiritually focused, scripturally based and and spiritually focused articles. Help you again in your study. 
what great opportunities to be diligent students of God's word and stay strong in your faith and even grow in your faith. So take advantage of that. We encourage you to do so and tell everybody you can so that they can also take advantage of these really rather unique and at the same time so valuable opportunities to stay in God's word on a regular, consistent basis. We're going to finish up this particular section of our study today that we have been going through. We're talking about in the general, the general thrust of this series of studies is talking about the existence of God. Can you believe in God? Should you believe in God? Can you have confidence in believing in God? Well, yes, no question about it. We're looking at this particular study from a perspective of logical reasoning or analytical reasoning, if you want to get more technical there. We're looking at, at, at not just reading scriptures and saying, well, the Bible says this, the Bible says that, because you see, people who don't believe in God, they don't believe in the Bible either. Now, we are looking at scriptures, numerous texts of scripture, but they're simply to corroborate the logical reasoning behind the compelling evidence to believe in God. Compelling evidence, again, from a logical or analytical perspective. Now, first, in the first section, as we've talked about, we looked at the existence of a moral law, a basic moral law that basically all of humanity uh, they buy into. They say, yeah, yeah, I understand that. There are certain things that are absolutely moral, and there are certain things that are absolutely immoral. Now, that means there's a moral law. For there to exist a moral law, there has to be a moral law giver. And we've made the point, and we've, we've really demonstrated that point, that the moral law is not up to man, to humanity as a whole, because we have different opinions, we think differently, we're all over the place, literally, when it comes to morality. And also, it's not up to government, because government's the same way. Government's made up of human beings, and the governments are all over the place. And as we go along through time, even our personal, even our personal perspectives of what would be right, what would be wrong, you know, tolerable and intolerable, and so on, what would be moral and what would be immoral, we change our minds on things just from our personal human reasoning. And the same thing would be true for governments. There have been laws that have been in, in the books for long periods of time that are no longer in the books. They've been changed because the government changed their mind on those things. It goes on and on and on like that. So the, the reality of a mor moral law demands then, requires a moral lawgiver. The only consistent moral lawgiver to maintain that basic standard of morality is God, is God. Now in this particular section that we're about to finish up today, we're talking about goodness. How do you define goodness without God? It's impossible because without God, just as Morality cannot be, basic morality cannot be subjective. What I think, what I feel, what seems moral to me, or what seems immoral, or what I think is immoral, or what I feel is immoral. No, that's, that's subjective, and everybody has their own feelings and their own, their own uh, beliefs and so on. 
But see, that basic standard, that moral law that is fundamental, that does not change, that has to be there on the basis of a moral lawgiver, and that's God. Same thing is true about goodness. Well, what is goodness? You talk to 10 people, they'll give you 10 different answers. Because again, it's subjective. They're speaking from a subjective, based a, a subjective perspective based on what they feel, what they think, what seems good to them, what they like, what they dislike, and so on. And we have different likes and dislikes. So most of the time when we're talking about good or goodness, we're talking about what we think, what we feel about that particular subject as, as applied to a particular situation. Good food, good home, good place to live, good job, you know, good person over here. It, it, it's, it's subjective, what we think about that, and we change our minds. And different people thinking about the same things, they'll, they'll have different perspectives. They'll have different opinions about that. But when you're talking about real goodness, bottom line, fundamental goodness, there has to be a standard of goodness that is fundamental, that does not change. And for that, there has to be a basis or an authority for that basic standard of goodness. And again, as we've just demonstrated, can't be man, can't be humankind, can't be governments. It's the same as with morality, except the, 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 the perspective of goodness is broader than just morality. It's goodness. How do you define goodness without God? It's impossible. Just as you can't really define morality without God, you can't define goodness without God. The best definition of goodness is G-O-D, God. God is the standard. We've emphasized what James wrote in James chapter 1 and verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. You see, again, from our human perspective of reasoning, we keep changing. I, I, you know, I, don't, I don't like this. I think this is bad. Later on, yeah, oh, you know, maybe that's not so bad after all. Yeah, I think it's pretty good after a while, after I've thought about it a while. Or maybe years later, I've just changed my opinion about it. And it goes back and forth like that, up and down. And again, different people have different perspectives, different feelings, and it's all over the place. But God is always good, always good. And God is, God does not change. Again, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God is consistent. We can trust God as to goodness all the time. Whatever God pronounces to be good can be trusted to be genuinely good. Now we've looked at, and we just looked at a very small sampling of verses of scripture that speak to God's goodness over and over and over again. And we could have gone on and on and on. And then we've looked at the contrast to that, and that's mankind. Mankind. We look around us, and we see the behavior of mankind. We say, <laughs> uh, mankind certainly is not good all the time, inherently good. See, God's nature, his character is good. 
Man's character, because of sin, is not good. All by ourselves, in and of ourselves, not good. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3 and verse 23. The scriptures can find all under sin, Galatians 3 and verse 22. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6 and verse 23. That's reflecting upon our lack of goodness because of sin. But the rest of the verse says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's the goodness of God. And we talked about how God is good toward us even when we're bad, even when we're sinful. Romans 5 and verse 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God sent him to the cross to die on that cross, to shed his blood as the perfect sacrifice to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. He died for us. And when Jesus sent the apostles, as Jesus, after he resurrected from the tomb, after he appeared risen for 40 days, appeared before multitudes, hundreds and hundreds of people, to demonstrate that he had triumphed over the grave, he told the apostles, just as he was about to ascend back to heaven, told the apostles to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. Mark 16, 15, and 16. And what does that word gospel mean? Good news. Good news. So the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. Again, left up to our own reasoning, our own behavior all by ourselves and of ourselves without God, it's tragic. As we closed last time, we looked at Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. And here the prophet wrote by inspiration, guided by God to write this. So this is God's word. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. You see, that's mankind left on his own. There are good things, there are good standards that man looks at, at least a lot of human beings, they say, oh no, that's bad. And there are things that are wrong, that are sinful, that are evil, wicked, unrighteous, ungodly. Why, you got people? They'll say, oh, 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 no, that's a good thing. We, we ought to just embrace that. Modern times, you know, new way of thinking. No, it's still sin. And so the prophet writes, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. You see, the devil's skillful. The devil's skillful. He doesn't have to turn us away from God at the snap of the fingers. He can take his time and work on us gradually, but continually. And gradually, if we allow him to have that kind of influence in our lives, gradually he can turn our hearts away from God. Remember Solomon, when he disobeyed God and married all of those foreign women who were idol worshipers, disobeying, directly disobeying God's commandment on, along these lines? Solomon undoubtedly thought, no, I'll stay faithful, I'll stay strong. They're not going to turn me to their gods. 
But over time, in his older years, they did. They led him to worship idols with them. Complete disobedience of God's word. God's instructions along this line. So we need to test all things. We need to hold fast to that which is good. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 21. We need to really focus and we need to maintain God's standards of goodness and not humanity's standards of goodness. Because sometimes humanity gets it right, but a whole lot of the time they mess up and get it wrong. We cannot fall into that, that area, that, that kind of identity, state of identity where we call evil good and good evil. Now, the goodness of God is seen in the, in the description of two alternative eternal destinies. Now, let me say that again. We see the goodness of God exemplified as we read through the scriptures and they describe two alternative eternal destinies. Now, one place is completely devoid of God. God's presence is not there. His glory is not there. And that's hell. In 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9, if you go back to verse 7, it talks about Jesus coming on that final day of judgment with his angels and flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of Christ. In verse 9, in verse 9, it tells us the ultimate destiny of those individuals says these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of, of the Lord and from the glory of his power. In other words, cut off from God's presence in a place of eternal torment, a, per, a place of eternal punishment and condemnation, eternal judgment. Well, that's hell. What could be a more apt description in a concise basis of hell than being a place where the presence of God does not exist. The glory of God does not exist. In Matthew chapter 25, Matthew chapter 25, notice a further description, more detailed of that place, hell, that place that is without God's presence, devoid of God's presence and glory. Matthew 25 and verse 30, cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's an eternity without God. That's the destiny of people who do not believe in God, will not come around to believe in God, and who do not live by God's goodness communicated to us through his commandments and instructions and guidelines laid out in Scripture. Now, that's the place without God. Outer darkness, devoid of God's presence. And of course, that leads to weeping and gnashing of teeth. Torment. Torment. And I suspect that a lot of that torment will be simply self inflicted because 
the individuals will recognize where they are and that it is a place that is completely devoid of God. That's a horrible kind of existence. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. How many times have you seen somebody who lost a loved one? Maybe a spouse, maybe a child, maybe a parent. And that individual, the survivor, they are so forlorn. They are so sad. They're mourning so deeply and grievously. They can't seem to shut off the tears. They're carrying that, that deep weight around their heart because of their loss. Well, now multiply that a million times and think about that effect on the person who looks around and realizes, I am in a horrible place for all of eternity, and I did it to myself. Hell. Now the contrast, the other place the scriptures teach us about is that place that God has prepared for all of those who will follow him in faithful obedience. And he wants everybody to be there with him. The Apostle Peter wrote in 2 Peter 3 and verse 9, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But God leaves the choice up to us. We make up our own minds on the matter. Oh, this place, total goodness prevails. And that's heaven. Revelation 21 and verse 27. There shall by no means enter it, that is heaven, anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. See, no evil in heaven, no wickedness. Devil is not there. Revelation 21 in verse 4. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Now you remember what hell is described like as being? Torment, weeping, gnashing of teeth, outer darkness, place devoid from God's presence and his glory. Heaven, no more crying, no more tears, no more dying, no more sorrow, no more pain. Which place would you rather be in? That's the place that just personifies the goodness of God. Coming down to verse 23 in Revelation chapter, uh, chapter 21. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. Well, remember what hell is described as being like? Place of outer darkness? The understanding there, not nighttime like we experience nighttime here on this earth. There will be no stars, no moon shining. We're talking about a darkness that is so absolute that you can't see your hand in front of your face. Heaven, on the other hand, oh, God's presence, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, his presence, just the glory of their presence illuminates the city. The glory of the presence of God in Christ 
They're the lights. They provide the lights for the city. Magnificent place. If we read further, we could read about the golden streets that are <laughs> transparent, not any gold like we're used to. The gates of pearl, the foundations and walls of the city that are studded with precious gems. Now, which place would you want to be in for all of eternity? Do you want to get ready to enter into that glorious city? Remember the Great Commission, the message of forgiveness and salvation. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. We hope to hear from you soon. Our phone number is 402-498-8397. Give us a call and let's talk and pray together and study together. And let's pray now. Father in heaven, thank you for loving us. Help us to see the only real alternative for our eternity, and that is to be with you in heaven. Thank you for making the way for us. Father, you are totally good, awesome. Please forgive us, gracious Father. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.